not for nothing, it's another edition of Fangraphs Audio. I am Carson Sestouli, Fangraphs contributor and occasional destroyer. On this particular edition of the pod, we bring in a couple of our crack fantasy experts from Rotographs, Mark Hewlett and Zach Sanders, and we ask questions, and we attempt to answer them. For example, did Kevin Millwood all of a sudden become an actual ace? Russell Brannion's back, question mark. Sean Markham, is he the real deal? Exactly how insane is Lou Pinella with his recent demotion of Carlos Zambrano to the bullpen. And finally, if you're listening hard enough, you might hear the name Colby Lewis uttered on this particular edition of the pod. One final note, you will hear a stirring discussion of Chris Davis and Justin Smoke approximately in minutes six to nine. I will remind the listener that this was recorded on a Wednesday. This was indeed before Chris Davis's demotion to AAA Oklahoma City and Justin Smoke's subsequent promotion from that same team. That's enough for me, though. Let's now go appeal to our fantasy experts here on Fangraphs Audio. Welcome to another edition of Fangraphs Audio. Here today, we have a couple gentlemen from Rotographs. One of them is uh, has become the workhorse of the Rotographs pod. Uh, he's not only part of the Left Coast contingent, He's not only a workhorse, but he's also a heavy breather. His name is Zach Sanders. Zach, how you doing? Good to be here, Carson. Zach, you were doing a little bit of uh, a little bit of heavy breathing last week. I, I think that maybe you're having a volume situation. No, I was just excited. <laughs> yeah. I think he's just trying to increase the volume of female listeners that we have. Hey, hey, hey! All right, I haven't introduced you yet. Go back <laughs> to your corner. Uh, the man who's already breached his his vow of silence. He's not just a prospect maven. He's not just the editor of Rotographs. He's also Canadian. His name is Mark Hewlett. How you doing, sir? G'day, eh? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, you don't think that you do your part for the female listenership, Mark Hewlett? Uh, no, sadly, probably not. <laughs> I, I think I, I think that uh, people of all uh, races, colors, creeds, genders would like that Canadian accent. It's so uh, it's so polite and friendly sounding. I don't know. I think I kind of sound like you, which well. What is that? What is that? <laughs> I don't think I sound any different than you, Carson. Um, I'm going to take that as a compliment, at least for the time being. Well, listen, what are we doing here? Well, we're here to talk about uh, the fantasy bases ball, and we got we got a number of names uh, to look at. Some, in particular, I think we got some early season performances that have our uh, have us raising our eyebrows. Maybe a couple people returning from injury. A couple puns to make, some young pitchers, and then a peculiar move. Uh, and of course, we're recording this on a Wednesday for the fantasy quote-unquote Friday. And we have a, a peculiar move just made today by Lou Pinella, Carlos Zambrano to the bullpen. We'll get to all that today. Let's start at the top of the uh, totally arbitrary list that I've made. And at the top of this particular list, I see Kevin Millwood. I see Kevin... What, it, Hey, Zach Sanders, first of all, why do I see Kevin Millwood's name at the top of this list? And I have this peculiar number. It says 2.79 XFIP next to his name. What's up with that? Well, so far this year, he's got a his strikeout to base on, base on bar rate is 20. And, yes, you heard that right. It's 20. And he's strike, he's walking less than a batter per nine innings, and he's, ex, he's over 9Ks per nine innings. And, you know, before the year started, we might have expected maybe 6K per nine, but over nine and is just ridiculous and I mean he's doing all this even the 279 XFIP he's got a pretty reasonable ERA right now even with the 368 BABIP against so he's just having himself a good year but I mean is he going to keep it up 
I mean, I've watched a little bit of him pitch through game day, and he just he's got a subpar fastball. He likes to keep really high in the zone, and it, it's just it's a recipe for disaster. But right now, maybe he can keep the strikeout rate up. I don't think so, but maybe can he keep the walks down too? It doesn't look like it, but you never know. Yeah, I mean this. These numbers he's putting up, and we haven't seen Kevin Millwood do that since he was a youngin with the Braves. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't even to this ex- extreme. Uh, you know, I yeah, like you you mentioned his stuff. I don't see it. I, you know, what do you see in terms of uh, Kevin Millwood at the end of the year? You know, uh, going forward, I guess. I think looking back, maybe what he put up last year might be a good benchmark to set. I mean, an ERA around four. Decent strikeouts, but he's gonna, you know, that rate's gonna come down because he's on the Orioles. Maybe 12, 13 wins. So I mean, he's not a great pitcher for fantasy, but he's not the worst option you can have either, especially if he can stay healthy and maybe the wins will pick up if the Orioles start hitting again. Mark Hewlett is is, is Kevin Millwood a guy that you would uh, that you would bother rostering? You know, uh, is he a guy that uh, even if you weren't gonna roster him at the beginning of the year? Has his early season performance with the the twenty to one uh, strikeout to walk ratio has that changed your mind at all, or are you still thinking of him as the same Kevin Millwood that he's been for the last like five six years? Oh, I think he's going to uh, regress to the mean, and I think he's going to uh, you know he provides one hundred and seventy to two hundred innings a year, which has value, especially in uh, AL only leagues. Um, he does have pretty good strikeout rate. Uh, it's not. It's not terrible. It's not great. Um, it's respectable, usually. Um, one of the things that really stands out for me this year is the fact that he's using his slider almost 30% of the time, which is almost twice his uh, career rate. Um, and I think that, that that's not going to hold up. Um, it's It's been his best pitch so far, according to the pitch type values. Um, and that's probably... I mean, unless he's suddenly throwing it with a different grip or something like that uh you know i don't i don't foresee him throwing it at 30 percent all year long when he's uh been at 15 or 16 percent uh, in his career um so i think he's you know you might as well ride him while he's hot especially in al only leagues if you're desperate for pitching in mixed leagues you know deep leagues he's maybe an option um but i think eventually he's going to uh become the millwood of old yes the millwood of old Mill would have old, and uh, but but yeah, duly noted. We will ride him while he's hot. Um, it's not the first time that's been said here on the pod, although it was <laughs> a totally different context. Uh, okay, let's look back at the totally arbitrary list. I see another name here. Uh, this guy was a teammate of Kevin Millwood's last year, Christopher Davis. Chris Davis. In terms of uh, statistic, he has zero home runs and a 573 OPS. Zach Sanders. That's not really impressive. It's not uh, major league worthy probably at this point. I know he has contact issues. Two questions. Is Christopher Davis a guy that you would have rostered at the beginning of the season? Um, and regardless of that, is he someone that you see as having playing time going forward? Yeah, I would have rostered him at the start of the season. In fact, I got suckered into him taking him very high in drafts last year, and that turned out uh, not so well, I'll tell you. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, he's got contact issues, but his rate's back up to his 2008 rate, about 68%. Uh, last year was about 63%. He has, his Wobo right now is, you know, it's not pretty. It's at 250. And that's, you know, that's a well below average hitter. That's, you know, we're getting close to, we need to go back to AAA now and work things out. 
But what really bothers me is the power. If this is a guy that's supposed to hit for power, and the average you get to take, but he doesn't even have a good. He has no home runs right now, so there's no point in owning him. And you really have to reevaluate him on your roster at the moment, especially with Justin Smoke uh, lurking in the wings. Yeah, now Hula, that's an interesting question for you because you are the resident prospect maven, at least on this particular edition of the pod. Justin Smoke, what's his profile, and is he going to is uh, is he playing well right now, and is he just going to force Christopher uh, Christopher Davis out of that first base role in Texas? I think it's very possible that Smoke's going to uh, basically uh, bump Davis. Um, Smoke is batting 326 in uh, AAA right now. He's got actually 16 walks to six strikeouts in uh, 46 at bats, so uh, he's walking more than uh, once a game. Uh, he's got uh, his power's not quite as as uh, big as Davis's, although he's you know 25 to 30 home run potential down the road. Uh, he's also a plus defender, which could have a positive impact on the Texas pitchers, uh, especially for you know someone like Colby Lewis. It's going to put in a lot of balls in the play. Well, that's um, that strange a- that uh, you mentioned that. I, I seem to think that Colby Lewis's the K per nine is actually kind of lofty at this point. It is right now, but you know I don't foresee that being an ongoing trend. Okay, that's fine. I'm, you know, we hey, every man has his opinion. Some of them are just writer than others. <laughs> <laughs> but so, um, well, what happens to Christopher Davis then? Then uh, Hewlett is he just uh, because he, he's not too far removed from prospect status? Is he just dissolved from the team? I'm guessing he has at least one option here left. Does he end up back in minor league ball where he gets a chance to work on his contact issues, or is he Dallas McPherson? Well, I suppose he's only 24, so that's a positive, right? Um, he could end up with some sort of platoon with Smoke. You, you never know. Um, you know, Smoke's a switch hitter. Uh, Davis is from the left side. Uh, Davis doesn't hit uh, southpaws well at all. I think he's he's one for 11 this year against them. Uh, so maybe early on in Smoke's career, that's a way to ease him in. Um, and maybe Davis benefits from that. Uh, so that might be one option. Um, the other option would be they could always look at uh, having Davis as a, you know, a utility guy off the bench, maybe doing a little DH, a little first base, a little third base. Um, that would definitely benefit fantasy owners, uh, give them some flexibility there. Uh, but, yeah, he definitely needs to start hitting uh, for some power because right now he's Russell Brannion with no power. Well, Russell Brannion, we'll get to that name in a second. Before we do, briefly, uh, Zach, just one last question on this uh, Christopher Davis train of thought. If, uh, if in fact, Justin Smoke keeps hitting at the rate he is hitting, 326, 16 walks, more, more than one walk per game, uh, will, will he be allowed to say that Smoke is officially on fire? Is that is that legitimate? <laughs> I will call that legitimate, yes. Okay. Now, as long as we're uh, in the mood for puns, Russell Brannion's back in more ways than one. Isn't that right, Zach Sanders? Tell us about it. Yeah, this is a guy that has had some pretty nasty back problems dating back to the second half of last year in Seattle. And the Indians finally activated him. I believe we're recording this on a Wednesday, so I believe it was Tuesday they activated him. Um, this is a guy, you know, he can hit 30 home runs. He's shown he's given playing time. So if he's healthy the rest of this year, we're looking at, what, 25 home runs, a 250 average. But, I mean, backs are very, very scary things, and he's likely to miss more time this year. And so if you're relying on him to do anything to really carry your team in any way, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, he can't put he can't put the team on his back, can he? 
No, he cannot. No, that and uh, I, I think that his, certainly his doctor would advise against it. Hewlett, the man that he would probably displace, maybe you have a different opinion than I do, is probably Michael Brantley. What do you foresee happening to Brantley? Is he a guy that we should continue to roster, or should we uh, dump him, or if we're in a keeper league, maybe somehow restore him to minor league status? What do you see is going on with Michael Brantley, or is he even the guy that's going to be displaced by this move? Well, if I'm not mistaken, Brantley was already sent down to AAA. Uh, I think he got sent down yesterday. Um, oh, so, great. Well, uh, uh, well there you go. thank God I'm not a fantasy baseball expert. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that Brantley's going to be good down for long. I'm I'm a big Brantley fan. Uh, always have been. I like his the fact that he gets on base a lot and he he's got speed. I think those those are really uh, obviously two things that go well together. Um, I think the Indians are the type of team that could use his speed. Um, so I don't think he'll be down for long. Um, you know, with uh, Hafner uh, hitting better than he has in the past. Uh, one guy that could see some reduced playing time is uh, maybe Matt Laporta. Well, that's a, actually that's a good question because it, it seems as though Matt Laporta has been the guy who's been uh, picking up some of the slack left by Brantley's demotion. Is Laporta he because he was a he was a pretty big part of that uh, uh, Sabathia trade a couple years ago. Is he ever going to come to fruition? You know, in general, and is this year the year that he will, if he will at all? I think uh, I was, you know, pretty, pretty positive he was going to have a good year this year. Uh, he got a, he's off to a slow start. He's got a 2.39 WOBA through 10 games. Um, he's got no home runs. Uh, he's another one of those sluggers uh, who's just not hitting for power this year. Um, so yeah, I think he could definitely be someone that if he doesn't pick up the game, uh, if he doesn't pick up his game quickly. Uh, he could definitely see a reduction in playing time with Brandon back. Okay. Now, I, I have questions about three young pitchers here. Uh, and I think that, you know, the young pitcher is sort of an interesting thing from a fantasy perspective. Uh, all these guys we'll look at here, you know, they play maybe for teams that don't have particularly well-developed offenses. And so in that way, they could be slightly risky or just less appealing from a fantasy perspective. But the young pitcher is exciting because um, a lot can happen in a year for a pitcher. And, of course, uh, you know, just as in actual baseball, uh, pitching is scarce in fantasy baseball. Let's look at these guys. The first one is a name that we invoked uh, on the most recent edition of the pod. That was with Matt Clausen and Dave Cameron. Justin Masterson, he's an extreme ground ball pitcher. He has a, a pretty serious... I don't know if it's sidearm, but it's probably less than three-quarters delivery. But he started off the season very well, uh, if not necessarily against lefties, and definitely against righties. Justin Masterson, this, uh, we'll go to you first here, Mark Hewlett. Is he someone you see as having a lot of upside because uh, because he is still young, or is he is he who he is right now, and if, if that is the case, is that good enough for you? Well, my friend, I'll tell you this. Mark Hewlett hurts ground ball pitchers. Mm. So, as a result, uh, yeah, I am uh, one of the bigger Justin Masterson fans. Um, you know, I like the fact that he's being given a real chance to uh, to pitch this year uh, as a starter. Um, whereas uh, in the past, when he was with Boston, uh, they kind of looked at him as possibly more of a reliever. That may end up being his, uh, you know, his ultimate role. I still have, 
you know, I think between the ground ball rate and the, the pretty solid strikeout rate that, uh, you know, he's going to be a pretty uh, impactful starter. Um, so, yeah, uh, big fan. You're a big fan. Now, do you see... I, I think do you, do you have the numbers on his splits right there, or just because I know that he's had some early season struggles versus lefties. What is the nature of those struggles? Um, and furthermore, do you see that as uh, ultimately you know handcuffing him uh, or preventing him from being an effective starter? Yeah, I mean it's definitely extreme small samples. Uh, you know, against left-handers, uh, he's probably always going to struggle a bit as a sinker slider pitcher again with the arm angle. Um, he's given up 11 hits in uh, five innings pitched against lefties this year. Uh, he also has a 7.20 walks per nine against lefties. So there's definitely an extreme exp- split there, obviously. Um, and his batting average uh, on balls in play is 5.21 against lefties. So uh, <laughs> you know, he's, that's definitely uh, that definitely says something as well. Um, so so in conclusion, so. <laughs> uh, Sanders. Uh, you know, what, the beginning of the season, the thing with the Indians was not necessarily their offense. They actually have a, they have a pretty decent offense. You know, at least for for the AL Central, the the big question mark was the pitching. You know, when you're relying on David Huff uh, to be a top of the rotation starter, you're probably not doing so well in that particular category. Masterson has you know proved himself to do uh, to you know to be pretty good these first three starts here. It is just three starts. Is he the sort of pitcher that you would roster, and or does uh, do the extreme platoon splits bother you, or do you just do you just take them and move on? The extreme platoon splits don't bother me because, like you talked about in the last podcast, he's a sinker slider guy, and they're going to have platoon splits. It's going to happen. You just kind of move on past it. He's a guy that I considered rostering in a lot of leagues. I think I actually drafted him in one league because, like you said, he's got a, he's a good ground ball pitcher, so the risk for a lot of home runs and giving up. Uh, doing his own work and giving up plays without the defense was is essentially gone when you have the immense ground ball rate he does. And then the strikeouts that he's added this year probably aren't going to stay, but it's a good rate that I like, and I definitely think he's ownable, and probably not a bad idea to pick him up if you're in a keeper league. Okay, now let's move on to a pitcher who doesn't necessarily have the youth of Sean, uh, sorry, of Justin Masterson, and his name, in fact, is Sean Markham, uh, Sean Markham and the next pitcher we'll talk about are, are both making starts on the uh, the day we're recording this. Markham pitched pretty well today against the Kansas City Royals, although some might argue that, that that's that's not that great of a challenge. He has shown pretty excellent ground ball, uh, sorry, um, strikeout to walk ratios early on in the season in his recovery from or his return from Tommy John surgery. He's got a changeup, which is going to help him. Um, Contrary to Justin Masterson, that changeup will help him, uh, actually, against uh, opposite-handed batters. Sean Markham, he, uh, you know, maybe he's in a little bit of the same boat as as Masterson because he doesn't, he's not really surrounded by a lot of other pitchers. He's sort of a de facto ace because of that. Are you gonna, are you gonna roster Sean Markham, Zach Sanders? I think you have to. I mean, to, I don't want to brag or anything, but in the Fangraph second opinion, I talked about him in a article I wrote about pitchers coming back from missing a whole year and I to quote myself I said he should slip into a nice value pick for 2010 drafts sounds, so actually far, sounds a little bit like bragging now that you mention it, it sounds <laughs> no not at all of course not I would never do that on podcast yeah 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 yeah. But, yeah a nice yeah, value pick great, yeah great own the the walk rate might not stay as low as it is right now it's at 1.35 per nine 
His career rate's around three, but I'd like this. I'd expect it, Bay around two point five. But that still makes him a very valuable starter because he's gonna his whip will stay a little bit lower. But as long as the Blue Jays can do a little bit of hitting for him and do a little bit of defense, he should get decent amount of wins. ERA shouldn't be ridiculously high, and he should make a good uh, back of the end starter for your fantasy team. Hewlett, are you surprised at Sean Markham's early success? You know, or does it make sense based on the profile that he had before uh, before the Tommy John surgery? Uh, you know, I'm not really surprised uh, at how he's pitched so far. Um, I've had a, a good opportunity uh, being up here in Canada uh, to uh, watch Mr. Markham a fair bit uh, over the years. Um, uh, you know, I have to disagree with Zach a little bit. I don't know that I would roster uh, Markham. Uh, he's never he's never pitched over 160 innings in a in a season. Uh, you know, this is his first year back from from surgery. I don't think that uh, you know he's going to be able to go. Uh, and, uh, throw 180 to 200 innings. So, you know, that's really going to wear him down in the second half of the season. Um, he's going to lose value there, obviously. Um, you look at his, his fastball speed. Uh, although he is a, a four or five pitch pitcher, um, you have to be worried about the 86 mile an hour fastball in the American League East. Um, you know, it's got a negative, uh, pitch type value right now. Uh, the only pitch he's really throwing uh, of any value is the changeup, but the changeup is only effective if you're if you're commanding the fastball. So um, I'm hesitant to to endorse Mr. Markham. So you so you're not going to endorse Markham. I think that you would probably roster Romero. You can correct me there. Is there any other Blue Jay pitcher that you would roster, uh, at least among the the uh, the uh, starting ranks? Generally speaking, I'm a little superstitious on uh, drafting and utilizing Blue Jays in fantasy leagues because whenever I pick them up, they tend to tank. Um, <laughs> the only exception being Aaron Hill last year. Um, so beyond Romero, I don't know if there's another pitcher. I don't think there's another starter that I'd really endorse. Um, you know, maybe Kevin Gregg while he's pitching well, although that's sure to end at some point. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't really see that uh, there's going to be a ton of value from Toronto pitchers. Uh, maybe Romero. I'm a big fan of him. Um, but uh, at the same time, I don't think Toronto is going to be very good this year. So there's not going to be a lot of wins to be had. Now, as we're recording, uh, we have a uh, we have a start going on. It looks like I don't know if I'd call it the great state of Texas, uh, the, the very big state of Texas. I'll certainly I'll certainly call it that much. It's happening in Houston, particularly, and Houston's received. Uh, quite a bit of flack from uh, from Fangraph Central, but it does appear as though Bud Norris, who's you know probably one of the better prospects that they've um, that they've uh, I guess created in the in the uh, past couple of years, he's got five strikeouts, two walks, three hits, and uh, somehow has given up four runs amongst that. I, I don't think that um, he would accept the linear weights description of, of runs right now with with that with that profile, uh, but. Bud Norris, he's pitching well, Mark Hewlett. Is, is he someone that you would roster? Would you roster his teammate Felipe, uh, sorry, Felipe Paulino? Or is the Houston, is Houston's mediocrity too, too powerful a force for you? I think you, you have the same problem, uh, as I mentioned with the Blue Jays. Um, you're, you're not going to get the wins, uh, for, for Bud there. Um, and, uh, his, his control has been a big issue this year. I don't really buy into the 14.09k per nine uh, either, um, so I would I would have to say I don't really 
see Norris as uh, an option at this point. Um, he doesn't even have a full year in the majors. He plays for Houston. And again, the control issues, that's sort of three strikes for me. Ultimately, between him and Felipe Paulino, who do you see as being the better pitcher? Mm, that's a good question. Um, that's what I'm here for, Hewlett. I'm a pod host. Uh the lesser of two evils. Uh, that's, I, I would say probably Norris. Uh, Paulino's a guy with control issues too. Mm-hmm. Sanders, are you gonna are you gonna go on a limb and roster Bud Norris? He he does seem to be striking people out. He uh, obviously the 14K per nine is unlikely to sustain itself, but uh, even today he's got five strikeouts through five innings. You know, he's he could be a legitimate strikeout pitcher. Does that appeal to you or? Are the wins too few and far between at this point? Yeah, I watched him last year pitch a little bit, and I really do like his stuff. I think he's got the chance to be a good strikeout pitcher, but, you know, like we talked about, the walks were the biggest issue. But he only walked two in five innings today, so maybe he's starting to calm down and getting the ball in the zone a little bit more. I hope he got more ground balls today, because so far he's got less than 25% ground balls in the year, and that's that's not going to do. But I like him, but, like, the Houston problem just makes it so I can't roster him at the moment. Okay. Now let's move on to the uh, shockingly topical issue here. Uh, well, well <laughs> hello to the listener who's listening on Friday, but uh, this was topical Wednesday, so, so buckle up your seatbelts. Carlos Sembrano, it has just been announced by his manager, Lou Pinella, today. Carlos Sembrano will move to the bullpen. As of now, it's not entirely clear what his role will be. Because Carlos Marmol is the closer and has been pitching quite well, I think we can assume it won't be his closer. So we have to think something like setup or maybe even bizarrely middle relief. Sanders, I don't know if you were a Zambrano owner before today. If you were, you're probably not happy. Is this an opportunity to maybe pick up Zambrano on the waiver wire because people will be dropping him? Or do you think that... uh, you think with Lou Pinella in charge, it's it's just too volatile, and you just want to stay away. Are you doubting Lou Pinella? <laughs> no, he's my paisan. I would never do anything like that. How dare you? Um, I don't know if I'd pick him up if he goes in the waiver wire. He's not going to be the closer. We don't know if he's going to move back into the rotation, depending on if someone else gets hurt again. He very well may stay there all year, but since they have Carlos Silva in the rotation at the moment. Something inside me says that he's going to falter, and they're going to have to move him to the bullpen and move Zambrano back. So I suppose if you can get a good value for him, I wouldn't use your waiver spot on him, but if he becomes a, a full-out free agent, you can just pick him straight up. I'd do it that way without without even thinking about it. Okay, Hewlett, same question to you, same exact question. I'd probably hesitate to pick up Zambrano if, if he was made available. Um I just don't see his his role uh, making him a valuable fantasy player. Uh, you know, Marmol is is doing is pretty close to lights out as a closer right now, uh, so I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, although it's it is Pinella, so you know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, but uh, I just don't see you know really all you're getting from Zambrano if you pick him up is is strikeouts. And, you know, if that's something you desperately need, maybe in an NL-only league, there's some value to it. Um, but until he finds his way back to the starting rotation, uh, or there's a hint that he might be headed back, I wouldn't think about picking him up. Okay, and finally, uh, I did not necessarily warn you that we would discuss this, but I don't think you'll be shocked about it. Uh, Colby Lewis, he's a pitcher, he's a man, he's a minor deity and uh, some religions. Sanders, 
last week during the pod, you seemed to be skeptical, and I'm curious, has your tune changed since you struck out uh, 10 Indians, um, Cleveland Indians, not actual Indian people from the continent of, of uh, Asia? Uh, or are you still skeptical and not rostering him? I'm still skeptical, but I decided I was going to hedge my bets, and I actually picked him up in one league after the, right after the podcast mm-hmm. last week. I figure I'm going to be right one way or another, so I might as well help myself out. But the strikeouts are nice, but he can't seem to get through more than five innings, maybe six, because he's pitch- he's thrown a lot of pitches, and that I mean that's great for me because I'm in a innings pitch limit league, and so I get K's without wasting a lot of my innings, but. Otherwise, it's not great because ERA, his ERA won't be a, so effective because you're not getting the innings to go into the whole equation of ERA. Yeah, now Hewlett, you and I, we had a we had a good old-fashioned uh, ritual dance battle, I think, uh, so, uh, in a very public way, and uh, now by means of a number of different media as well, with regard to Colby Lewis. You were pretty down on him at first. I'm curious, through three starts now, how your view of Colby Lewis has changed. I I will admit I'm softening on my stance. I don't think he's going to be as brutal as I thought he was going to (laughs) be. But at the same time... That's what we call a Canadian compliment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, there's some warning signs in his numbers. You know, um, he's he's a guy with a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. He's got a a low ground ball rate. A little worried about that. Uh, His... His control hasn't been great. He's, you know, walking more than five batters per nine innings. Um, those are a couple things to be worried about for sure. Um, he's basically a two-pitch pitcher, fastball slider. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, have a little bit more uh, success with the curveball or the changeup, uh, you know, ne- especially when he starts facing teams for a second time. Uh, so, you know, again, with with those things pointed out, I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic that he's going to be better than I thought. Okay. Well, I'm cautiously optimistic that this pod, uh, this edition of the pod, will sound better uh, when I listen to it than it, than it did uh, while we were recording it, um, especially the two doubting Thomases that I'm talking to. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like to hear it, frankly, the negativity with regard to Colby Lewis, but I guess what, what's a man to do in this day and age? Anyway. The, uh, the one Downing Thomas to my right has been Mark Hewlett. Thank you for joining us all the way from the frozen continent, the frozen country of Canada. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kirsten. You're welcome, Mark Hewlett. And Zach Sanders uh, here in the Pacific Northwest with me. Um, thank you to you as well. Thank you, Carson. All right. This has been another edition of Fangraphs Audio and, of course, the white-hot analysis that accompanies it. Thank you. Uh-huh.